it's really important that business leaders understand that the threat of cyber risks are real and they are growing. Welcome to the Fincia podcast. With me today, I've got Brendan Reed from Cordamentha, who will do a much better job of introducing himself than I will. So I'll just hand over straight away before I ask uh, the questions that um, we've put together, see just how uh, bad the cyber threat uh, is um, nowadays. Brendan, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I thought I might just start with giving you a bit of a background on myself. So I, I um, Come at the moment, I actually work in uh, Cordamentha as a partner in their forensic practice. Cordamentha, um, it's an advisory and investment firm and uh, has a range of different services they offer to clients from corporate to forensic where I sit, investments, real estate and restructuring. And I come from a background prior to going into professional services, actually was in law enforcement. I was in the Queensland Police for just over 10 years. My final role uh, in the police was a detective in the high-tech crime investigation unit there where I was doing a lot of cyber uh, investigations, uh, hacking investigations, working with the Secret Service, uh, doing covert online investigations, and this is going back over 10 years ago. So I guess the risk around cyber has been there for a number of years and uh, it, it just continues to, to gather momentum. Obviously, it's, yeah, quite often you you go to a new site uh, and you'll see a new uh, article or story about another organisation that's been hit with some sort of cyber incident uh, and it is becoming a, a growing threat and problem for businesses to deal with. Thank you very much for the introduction. And I'll start with the questions, which, you know, uh, we've had some uh, in from members, so thank you for those. First one, there was a survey uh, just recently, 95% of CEOs cited cyber risks as the top threat to business growth. And that's up 10% almost from last year. Uh, and as I, I know, a Challenger Bank CEO who said that that was the one thing that's keeping them awake at night, even as COVID was in everybody's minds. So how bad is the threat? Yeah, it is bad. It's really important that business leaders understand that the threat of cyber risks are real and they are growing, as I sort of touched on before. And uh, businesses are having to adapt to a changing landscape of of how we actually operate. So moving to cloud-based technologies, reliance on third-party applications and platforms, and, and now we're um, dealing with remote working environments as a uh, as an ongoing part of how we operate as a business thanks to COVID. And no sector is actually immune to cyber attacks. And I would say a lot of the attacks that I see and have seen in my um, both in law enforcement and in the private sector uh, are very much financially related. So in terms of how Finzia comes into play, um, your members would very much be in the firing line for some of these attacks. So when you're trying to think about the types of threats that are out there, businesses are trying to win that customer base and you're trying to look at what consumers actually want. And in terms of uh, providing that product to a consumer, at the same time, you need to try and think about the risk that comes around that. So it's basically looking at matching um, productivity versus security at the same time. And I often talk about the user experience. So, you know, you look at smartphones and how much they've developed so quickly uh, over recent years. And it's that user experience that's driving uh, that product development. And it's the same thing in terms of the finance sector as well. You know, consumers, they want 24-7 
banking capability. They don't want to have to go into an actual physical branch. They want the ability to, you know, log in uh, through their phone or through a web browser to be able to do all their uh, their banking whenever they want. Now, to provide that sort of capability and functionality to the consumer, it creates added risk uh, for organisations to try and manage. So, yeah, it, it is a, a real sort of ongoing problem with the speed that technology changes, having to try and keep up with that, uh, that risk is an ongoing problem. You're also seeing changes in legislation as well. So we now have in Australia changes to the Privacy Act with mandatory data breach reporting. If an actual breach is identified as being an identifiable, notifiable data breach, you have uh, regulators now really ramping up their uh, efforts in this space. So you've got APRA uh, with CPS uh, 234, you've got ASIC, which is their Cor- Corporations Act uh, Section uh, 912A, all playing a part in terms of not only legislation but, but regulation around this space because it is such a problem. And also just in terms of the types of threats, they're not always just external. I suppose that's probably a really key point to make here is that there is the insider threat that people and organisations really need to be thinking about. And that insider threat, it can come from an unwilling participant, like an employee that's clicking on an email that has a phishing link in it and totally unaware that they're actually um, being taken to a, uh, to a phishing site and putting their credentials in and those credentials being stolen. Uh, and then you've got the willing participants that are actually um, maliciously trying to defraud the business, trying to steal information, there's situations I've seen where contractors coming in and doing work and they're actually coming in and doing malicious behaviour behind the scenes. So it really it really is an ongoing problem from a number of different angles that organisations need to, to sort of tackle and deal with. It uh, uh, sounds worrying and it sounds like it's coming from all sides. ANZ said it was getting between 8 to 10 million attacks a month during the pandemic. Can you put some figures on the total across Australian industries? Look, it's really hard to give uh, an exact figure. Um, And the reason for that is a lot of these uh, incidents go unreported. So organisations that are concerned about brand damage and also not even aware that um, something has happened or to the extent of of how their information has been exposed. So what I can tell you is that the Australian Cybersecurity Centre are seeing a trend increasing in terms of the number of incidents that are being reported. And that's a trend that's happened uh, and I've seen from my days in law enforcement has just continued to grow and grow and grow. So I guess the, the problem that we're now facing is that it's an uphill battle to, to keep up with it. Yeah, we're not going to see those numbers drop at all. And something I'd read about that, and it made me ask the question, and I'm, I'm sure you've considered it, you know, do the CEOs and the boards of these businesses have the right acumen and skills to, you know, to, be, to deal with these things? It's a good question, and I think it comes down to having access to the right expertise, having a right actual plan in place an incident response plan to deal uh, with an incident when it does happen and also making sure that organisations test that plan and not waiting for an actual event to happen. So testing it is also really important. That way they're going to be in a much stronger position to um, to deal with the incident once it actually happens and then obviously be in a, a scenario where they're going to have their operations back up and running to normal operations a lot sooner. And, and what, 
following on from that and, and, and more things that I've, I've read and, and just wanted to, to get your take on that, you know, budgets, you, you talked about, you know, productivity, you know, the risk against reward there. I've seen figures saying that it leads down from 6 to 10% of a budget to 5%. That was something that I was reading in a, in a, a report just recently. What would, any, what's, what's your view on that? And is it, is, can, you, can you put a, a figure on what you need to do? Yeah, look, it's... It's very hard because every business is different, every organisation is different in terms of how they need to spend money on cybersecurity. I would say, however, they need to be spending money in this space to ensure that they're prepared for these types of incidents. And that spend can be in the form of hardware, hardware products, software, internal training uh, and physical controls over their data. And they've got to look at where that actual risk lies in the business. So there may be certain systems that are critical and in terms of the type of information that's stored on those systems that if if they were compromised, if the information on those systems was compromised, that they're going to be in a very difficult uh, position to, to manage the fallout from that in terms of reporting, mandatory breach reporting, notifying clients, obviously brand damage. So organisations need to do a review of their information, where it sits, how they're securing it, and just making sure they're, they're doing all the necessary steps to mitigate that risk as best they can. And just going back to that, and have you come across any examples where, you know, you there's been a problem and you've gone in and, and it's just gone, that's, you know, they're woefully lacking in terms of what they're spending and doing. Are, we, are, we, are there organisations out there that exist? Yeah, definitely. It's And it's... It's one of those uh, situations where the business is trying to to deal and manage that cyber risk as best they can, but don't probably don't have a, a necessary uh, enough respect for how how um, severe th- this issue can be and how crippling it can be to a business. Like worst case scenario, some of these cyber attack can, cyber attacks can actually take a business out from operation altogether, and and pretty much they stop uh, operating going forward. So it's worst case scenario, but some of the some of the things that I'm seeing is definitely a situation where the IT teams aren't big enough to manage the security risks as well as just the general administration of their networks and and information governance. So there really needs to be specific skills, specific resources brought in to manage and also respond to these types of risks. And that that might be uh, bringing those uh, resources in externally but having a plan in place to know who they need to call as quickly as possible to get them in. Carrying on from that, you know, it's something that's um, been talked about as, as we, you know, work out plans and, and training tactics at Fincia that, you know, it's, it's, it's not just IT's problem, it's everyone's. And we've seen the phishing attacks up a quarter since 2019. You know, how, how much ongoing training should there be? And, and um, you know, and as someone from a non-technical cybersecurity background, you know what can they do to ensure as much safety as possible? Yeah. So training is critical. I think the human element in the cybersecurity ecosystem of any organisation plays an important part in training, and I would say workplace culture is really important. So I think an ongoing ongoing training needs to happen in all areas of the business and. Every business is different and even different uh, sections within a business are different as well. So your accounting team might have different risks that they're trying to mitigate as opposed to your sales team. So you, you need to have an understanding of 
those workflows, how they operate, and then identifying where those risk areas are for those particular business units and then provide specific training for those business units so they can be able to really clearly hopefully identify a risk when it happens so you're in a better position to manage it. And coming back to that point about creating a data security culture in the workplace is really important. I I see it time and time again where that culture is just not there for people uh, to be thinking about data security in everything they do, Um, whether you're putting data onto a USB device, whether you're emailing something um, to your personal email account. There might be a a positive or um, a good reason why they're trying to do that, but not really understanding the risk that, hey, if I email that confidential document, sales document to my personal email account, what am I actually exposing the business to by doing that? So they might have good intentions, but at the end of the day, it can cause major problems. It's, yeah. question I'm going to come to later on, but I'm going to follow on because you touched on it a couple of times and I think it's, it is quite important you mentioned culture mm-hmm. and having a, the right kind of culture but as you've also said we you know there, there's a reluctance to admit brand damage you know and boards or CEOs that, that probably have the best intentions but don't report that and, and that's a worrying trend isn't it as well I mean um, what, what do you have to say about that? Yeah look I, I probably I'd start by saying that not every data incident is a reportable incident so it's got to meet certain criteria to be a reportable incident but there really needs to be an acknowledgement by senior leadership that those incidents need to be investigated and even consideration to having those incidents investigated independently and not just relying on that internal IT team to to undertake that investigation because it does take specialist skills and training to be able to run a particular investigation and a lot of Internal IT teams are trained very good at setting up networks and and configuring networks, but then when it comes to the scenario of actually investigating it, with the uh, proposition that maybe down the track that matter may end up in some sort of uh, proceeding, whether it be court, uh, there might be a class action against the the organisation, or yeah, they may be sued. So it just they need to be thinking about how they're investigating those matters how they're gathering that evidence, how they're preserving it, because you don't know where these matters may actually end up. And it's becoming more and more possible that that could be an outcome. So we've seen ASIC recently, you know, taking enforcement action against a financial services company uh, from breaches of the Corporations Act. So, you know, the regulators are very much looking at this space and uh, are willing to make a move if they think that yeah. it's... I, I did see them. I mean, I think that they... They were going down that route probably before COVID, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I read one report, and it's now back in one of the things that's front and centre of their mind that we probably will see more of this. So it's uh, that's a bit of a watch this way. And move on to another question. Then we, you said financial services and FinCEA members are, you know, in the firing line. Is is that the sector of the economy we should be most worried about? Oh, look, I think cyber attacks affect any sector, but I think just where the financial services market sits, that they're, they're a prime target for cyber attack. As I've already touched on, the way that they, the financial services need to move with changes in technology means that they're more susceptible to potential risks around hacks, whether it's um, you know through a mobile app, through a, a website. So yeah, it's, I would say that um, 
yeah, the financial services sector is definitely in, uh, one, one of the top areas uh, at risk. And, f- and from that, I mean, um, the next question I was going to ask about where, where those threats are coming from, <laughs> you know, um, state-sponsored, we hear a lot about, you know, is it financial seeking terrorism, which I suppose this is what you'd have to call it. What, what uh, What's your experience here? Yeah, so again, there's a number of different players in this space. So we do have foreign state actors, very coordinated, doing targeted attacks. So we've recently um, heard the Prime Minister uh, address the um, nation about, you know, foreign state actors that were attacking our um, infrastructure, yet also have funded organised crime syndicates that are specifically uh, looking at this type of activity. They're very focused on ransomware attacks. You know, and these ransomware attacks, the types of ransoms that they're asking for on a particular organisation might be $20 million to, to pay the ransom to try and get their data back after they're infected with the ransomware. So we're talking a lot of money yeah. uh, at risk here, as well as the ongoing brand damage that comes with these cyber attacks as well. So, uh, and as well as that, you've got all sorts of different players in the market you know, just kids out there downloading all these types of tools that are shared online and, you know, having a crack at, at sort of hacking different systems and just seeing what they can do and just causing uh, all sorts of problems. One of the things that I'd, um, I've become aware of is you know, the phone calls that you're getting from Sierra Leone and places like that, that that is the first thing you do is go quick check of Google elsewhere, just to know it's, and it's, it's so obvious that there's, there's so much international bombarding you know from all sides um it's as you say it is a worrying thing that we're facing i'll probably uh, round off with um you know what your view is you know over the next few years i know that um we could have seen last year but um i guess in your role you you do have to look <laughs> towards the future so totally. what do you think do you you said it earlier you said it you only think it's going to get worse but do you think that we will also develop the tools to to deal with it. Uh, I, I say that with reference to the fact that elsewhere, I've um, p- people within the fintech industry have talked about the, the lack of expertise that they want in Australia for their businesses. Presumably, that's a similar kind of lack of skills in IT across the board. Is is um, you know. Uh, you, you're looking at that and looking forward. Where, where do you think we'll, we'll be in a few years' time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it is an ongoing sort of race to to meet the risk that's out there. And I think if you think about uh, like a boat sitting on the water and it's and, you know floating with the current, if you don't do anything in relation to your cybersecurity posture, you're just going to float down or float backwards uh, with the current because uh, it's pushing against you constantly. So you need to be doing at least something just to keep sort of a baseline, but even more so you need to be doing more than that to sort of try and keep ahead of of the actual threat that's there. So in terms of the sort of things I uh, believe will be happening, will be a real growth around artificial intelligence um, applications in, in terms of monitoring. And so there are, we're already starting to see those types of applications that organisations can use. And again, it's another uh, question as to whether organisations can even afford to, to um, actually purchase those uh, and use those types of um, products. But we are starting to see those in the market, but they'll look at patterns of behaviour and they'll start to get really good 
at identifying unusual activity as opposed to uh, what they'll believe is sort of trusted activity. Um, and I think it will come from a number of different sources as well. So there'll be different uh, evidence sources or data sources that will feed into this um, system to really give it a, a, a very clear picture of what an actual individual is doing at a point in time when a particular transaction is happening, for example, a GPS location, where are they actually located, what other activities are happening at that um, at point in time as well. So that will definitely happen. I think also you've seen the, the government uh, is looking at passing a critical infrastructure bill, looking at um, where critical infrastructure comes under cyber threat, that if the organisation doesn't have the ability to to manage that risk, that the government uh, can then come in and step in and put their own resources into that um, to help combat the threat. So the fact that government, federal government is looking at the risk from that level, you can sort of get a picture of, yeah. of what we're sort of dealing yeah. with here. It, yeah. is a, it is a really significant problem, but yeah, those tools will develop to meet that risk. But I think organisations really need to think about that internal training, think of every person in the organisation as part of that security ecosystem that can contribute to the success um, of that layers of security. And when an incident does, like a phishing email comes through, that individual should contact their internal IT or security team, let them know so that the security team can then start making immediate steps to help manage and block that threat from sort of going any further within the organisation. So, um, yeah, just simple things like that can all play a, play a part. Everybody can play the part, I suppose. That's, yeah, that's the, the message. And yeah, uh, I think on that note, we'll um, sign off there. And once again, I'll say thank you very much to Brenda. And I hope everybody enjoyed it. And um, we'll be back with uh, more podcasts uh, coming soon. Mm-hmm.